how's this? All right, all right, Nick, talk. This is Nick Weiger talking to Struggle Session. Here we go. Oh, great, great, great. JDB, talk. Hi, I'm Jonathan Daniel Brown. I'm a big fan of consent. <laughs> the consent lover has long gone. <laughs> all right, I think we're all good. Okay. Cool. Great. All right. Well, uh, hey, this is another episode of Struggle Session, uh, uh, the podcast that I do with uh, Jonathan Daniel Brown and and Leslie Lee III. I'm Jack Allison. I'm Jonathan Daniel Brown. I'm Leslie Lee III. We are here with a very special guest today, the host of Doughboys, one of two wonderful hosts, but the host that is here, Nick Weiger. (laughs) Hi, guys. Welcome. Wow. Thanks big, for coming big, on. Big part of success in the podcast guesting world is just show up. <laughs> if, you're, if you're there, I, I understand that you. I understand that that is well, the only part of it. Really, is yeah, just showing much. up. <laughs> if you're if you're physically present, or you know, a lot of times if you're just Remote. skyped in, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, it's not a, it's not a very uh, uh, it's not a very difficult thing to do. No. I guess. but we appreciate you doing it nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, I have no expertise to lend or anything. So I don't, I don't know. You have a fairly popular podcast. These I guess days, so. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, we, uh, we have much to learn from you. You've really <laughs> built, you have built an empire out. Of, you're just like Ray Kroc himself. Right. You built an empire out of those tasty little burgers. We also screwed a couple of uh, country bumpkin brothers out of their <laughs> podcast. We kind of stole it from them, <laughs> made it into our own. Um, so we got a couple. So do you want, should we like just like let's run through the topic list? Maybe. Yeah, sure. Uh, so it's a beautiful day in Burbank, California. Yeah, hot out there. Yeah, it's really it's it's about a hundred degrees. Louis C.K. standing in the corner jerking off. We can't leave. <laughs> you don't want to leave. You don't want to leave. You don't want to no. get out of the air conditioning, and you also don't want to have to wiggle past uh, Louis uh, wiggling his dick. At Look, you. this is how we get our FX deal. Yeah, <laughs> this is how it works. What do you think? To... What do you think about that, Nick? There's been a lot of uh, right lately between you know. It seems like it's coming down for Louis a little bit right now. Joss obviously uh, uh, was a Greek god and flew too close to the sun. Uh, uh, that was kind. Of, I mean, like as as someone who is particularly annoyed by performative woke male feminists, the Joss Whedon downfall was. Pretty fun to observe. Yeah, that was a pretty satisfying one. That was pretty fun. Uh, uh, Nick, I I think that this is probably the greatest cut to Joss Whedon. But are you aware uh, uh, of the website Whedonesque.com? Right. This was the this is the fan site, the premier Joss Whedon fan site. Um, So this was uh, on August twenty first. They they posted this. Um, Let me load up the full post here. Just uh, uh, August twenty first, twenty seventeen. So farewell then. Fifteen years is a long time, and a lot of water has flowed under the bridge. But now it's time to say goodbye. No more threads after this one. We're closing down. The site will at some stage become a read-only site. So if you want to leave your contact details and in this thread for other posters to get in touch, that would be great. Otherwise, email us at weedonesk at gmail.com. Which I do think it's funny that he's like shutting down the website. Right. But he's gonna keep the Whedon-esque email address. <laughs> like, I wonder if that's like tied to his like Chase or something. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. Yeah. The admins would like to thank the posters at this site. You made this site, and we wouldn't have lasted as long as we could without you. So thank you. And if you want to mark our passing, <laughs> please find a charity or organization that deals with the treatment of complex post-traumatic stress disorder, CPT. And that's obviously what Joss Whedon's wife uh, right. uh, 
uh, suffered from. Well, no, that's um, what all of them are suffering from, from knowing <laughs> that, their, that their Adonis is not pure. So to me, I feel like yeah. I, I think that Joss Whedon is going to continue to have a career. I don't think that Joss is out of work forever. But this to me feels like uh, for, for someone who used to command crowds that would sleep overnight at Comic-Con. Sure. Your premier fan site shutting down has got to be like the biggest knife to the gut uh, of your life. Well, it's it's kind of the... It's kind of the jackhammer to the Joe Paterno statue of this scandal. You know, we're, just, we're really just seeing the symbol of people's appreciation for this guy just fall down. But I, I mean, like, I really, I wonder if that will endure. Or I wonder if, because there was a time where you would have this sort of celebrity scandal and then you would go to, you know, you would have, you go to therapy, you go to rehab, you'd have your sex addiction, you know, mea culpa that you right. talk about on Oprah or whatever. And then you'd just be like back and yeah. it's like, hey, he's back. And yeah, you know, I mean, I, we are we are very willing to forgive. Uh, right. But well, I, if I feel you can like... afford the public forgiveness process. Right. We, 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 we like to forgive people who publicly flagellate themselves yeah. and then make uh, an appearance, uh, you know, six months later as, as a new man or whatever, a new woman. Yeah. It, it's uh, a big part of being forgiven by the public for being a fuck up is like doing, yeah, one of these mea culpa things, doing one of these I am a bad person, right. I, I did wrong I, I wonder, Nick. You mentioned about the uh, uh, the joke, taking the jackhammer to the Paterno statue. Uh, um, who do you think is doing more important work in America right now? The people pulling down Confederate statues, or the admins of the Weedonest.com <laughs> website? Right. So uh, I just add, what what do you think uh, of those two? I mean, they're you know they're both heroes, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I, I think certainly there's a lot more history behind one of them. I'm, of course, referring to Joss Whedon's fan site. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. I mean, the the lore behind Buffy and Angel, like, it's, it's really what our culture is built yeah. on. Right. I, I, I don't think you should be tearing that down. Like, what, what next? Are you going to take down Battlestar Galactica? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is Pottermore next? <laughs> it's a slippery slope. We're, the, what, who knows? They're, they're going to take the pitchforks and, and the torches and take down Wikipedia. Then where will we be? <laughs> they, already, they already took down Dukes of Hazards and the Cosby Show. Nothing is safe. Yeah, right. Nothing safe anymore. No, no shitty disposable entertainment uh, <laughs> is safe out there. Um, Leslie, are you, are you, Leslie, were you a, were you a Whedon fan? Oh, I was. I'm a, I'm still a huge. You Whedon still are. Fan. Okay. I, still are. Like I loved. Well, let me put it this way. I'm still a fan of his stuff before it became complete dog shit, <laughs> which, was, <laughs> which was around the time he started working for Marvel. But yeah. I still love. I love Buffy. I love Angel. My wife and I like still will watch Buffy and Angel and like really get a lot out of it, enjoy it. and Firefly too. So I actually am kind of sad that they took the fan site down because I had hoped that the point of the site was to celebrate the work of not just Raiden right. but like every person, all the actors and writers who are a part of it, who are a part of something that clearly meant a lot to these people's lives. I don't know why some balding, redheaded guy was like the center of this because he. You know, he was the genesis of it, but, like, there was more to it than that. So I don't see – I didn't really understand why they felt the need to shut down the website just because he was a piece of shit, especially since it was fairly obvious for, like, the past couple of years that he was a, he was a piece of shit, especially <laughs> if you looked at, like, his Twitter page or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, over the last 
I almost feel like during the Obama administration, the last eight years, you've sort of seen the rise of showrunner worship. The idea that like the people who make the shows are celebrities, just like the actors or mm -hmm. stars or music. Like they are now like increasingly public figures, and, and I'm not sure that, frankly, executive producers and writers are designed <laughs> to handle that spotlight very well. Right. I think like you know, their writers tend to be more introverted. They tend to be more ethereal and cerebral. Uh, and. Uh, it's celebrity isn't really suited for that. Yeah, it's the fame. I mean, imagine the fame of that type of indoor kid can just be overwhelming if it's just so sudden and just. And you know, it's the kind of thing of like, like maybe you're you're not really being elevated to the spotlight until you were in your 40s or 50s, and you're not someone who's a performer. Right. It's, it's a it's a very jarring thing. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, it, I think it also. It, what what is the genesis of that does it come to i feel like it's david chase of the sopranos was the first one where i sort where I sort of heard of like a showrunner is like oh this is the genius this is the guy who's yeah, like i guess sopranos probably was the first sort of step into auteur theory as applied to television and then like well, i think cable and network have like completely different tracks too like joss was doing buffy long before this yeah that's true right? that's, that's true, true. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you're right, though, that it's like just because you're good at writing a television show doesn't mean that you are uh, a role model. <laughs> you know what well, I mean? And why, like, and so, why should they be? Why yeah. do artists have to be role models? It's a weird well, expectation. Well, jumping back on what Nick said about, you know, the basement kid becoming this big celebrity and not handling mm -hmm. it. Um, in Josh's letter to his wife where he explains to her that it's not his fault that he had been cheating Ugh. on her for 15 years. It's the patriarchy. Oh, fault. yeah. Right. Um, he actually does mention that. Uh, I'll quote him right here. You know, when I was running Buffy, I was surrounded by beautiful, needy, aggressive young women. Uh, it felt like I had a disease, like something from a Greek myth. Suddenly, I am a powerful producer, and the world is laid out at my feet, and I can't touch it. Oh, like, man. That, it's almost, just it, so beautiful. Because right. so it's the women's they cheated with fault, and it's also his wife's fault for making him feel guilty about also, it. Also, this is like a guy that, like, I mean, this it's to a, me, like, it makes me feel like what's at fault here is his dumb performative feminism like he is this and look he shouldn't have cheated in the first place and no man should cheat or whatever but he cheated and then he also had to write a whack little letter like explaining right. why uh this is about the patriarchy well and this like, is a, this is a dude who's like basically spent his entire life like creating his jerk off fantasies in live <laughs> action like to the it's like we have to go out of our way to pretend that like I mean, the guy who created Wonder Woman, he liked uh, Marsters, William Marsters. He liked William to get Marston, tied up, yeah. and he liked to have the shit kicked out of him. It right. made him come. But right? there, there was a time, open? right? There was a time if you were that kind of pervert, like if you were like Robert Crumb, you'd just like right. draw that fucked up thing, and that was your outlet. It's just like that's all. That's the only. There's no way I can ever realize this in real life. But if you're like you have some sort of celebrity that's given to you, and you're you're going on the Tonight cool. Show and stuff. Which is also why it's funny that Joss ever was seen as this, like, you know, bellwether for feminism in America or something sure. like that. When, like, similar, like, R. Crumb also likes strong women characters. He wants their legs to be strong and crush his head. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, it's... Like, he, like, it's very funny with Joss that, like, you know, there was this idea of strong women characters. And mostly Joss's characters are just literally actually strong, like, right. superhero <laughs> women. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's just like, that's like that scene in Avengers where... 
where like uh, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow like just effortlessly beats the shit out of like twenty guys who right. are twice her size. Like but that's, that's not a exactly... sexual fantasy for men too. It's not just right. an empowerment fantasy for women. Yeah, dudes get off on and, that. And it is also this like very extremely surface level look at like we need more strong women. <laughs> and then they're right. just like, what about a woman that could like punch a bowling ball through a wall? <laughs> like I don't know. Right. It's just funny because it's like maybe it's a fear out of like publicly acknowledging being like a submissive dude. Maybe it comes from like a place where it's like, well, I can't, I can't say that like I get off on having my ass kicked. So instead, I'm gonna twist it into that I'm like a hero for the oppressed woman. Right. So like, I'm not, I'm not like fulfilling a weird fetish of mine. I'm no. actually empowering people. Right. And I think that's where a lot of like that that woke sort of yeah. pseudo. I, I think Joss Whedon's fetish is. Uh, making money yeah. <laughs> and he found a little like like people started writing articles about how he was a feminist and like he found that that was a something that he could capitalize on and then he did so very successfully but then he believed it i mean yeah. he actually you know the the fact that he managed to use like systemic sexism as an excuse for you know, slutting around is just hilarious to me. Right. I think that's like a peak. Well, Nick, Nick, you were the showrunner on Party Over Here. Yeah, I, mean, I was. Did actually... you feel like a Greek god? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was constantly tempted by. Uh, but no, no, like the the. I, I mean, I wasn't intended to be pedantic about. It. I wasn't technically the showrunner. I was the, I was the head writer. But uh, I, I mean, I guess if you were on something like that and you had that degree of authority and it was higher profile, I kind of see how. You know, you are in a position or, you know, if you're directing TV or, or if you're show running something, if you're directing a movie, you're the person that everyone's has like, hey, I think the cliche, I don't remember, I don't remember if this comes from from George Lucas or whoever, but it's like, you're just the person who everyone is asking the questions to mm-hmm. like, you like you're supposed to answer every question. And so you're kind of in that position of like ultimate authority. Um, I, I could see how that could be something where you would like, and then also you're, you're also going to the kind of cultish fan culture of right. these cons right. where people are like you're surrounded by functionally acolytes people mm-hmm. who are just like so like worshiping you it's church and yeah. yeah exactly and so i could see how that could lead to the sort of like inflated invulnerability that you sort mm-hmm. of feel but I, I do really like i i mean the the funniest thing about this to me is just him blaming all of his individual like choices on the patriarchy. It's just like the best. <laughs> and there's, and there's I like the that one line people. where he's like, he's like, in many ways, I was the height of normal in our right, culture. Right, right, right. <laughs> there, there's plenty of people who will fall for that shit too. There's plenty of people who like they like the 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 liberal women protectors that have kind of been you know over the last few years. I mean. Louis C.K. became one of them. Uh, you know, Joss became one of them. The one of the most obnoxious ones online is Matt McGorry, one of those prison yeah, Matt guards. Matt McGorry's pretty bad. bad. Have you seen his uh, his I, Twitter? Yeah, I can't. I can't, I can't defend his Twitter. I've, I've heard he's the nicest man in real life, but I, I it's it's a little man. It, it's excessive. I with some of these people, like I don't know if it is with Matt McGorry, but I'm like, have they just hired overzealous like like Twitter people or something? Like it's is- possible, but I think it's also the per. I, I think it it's such a gr- like an easy way to get at a boys, and it's yeah, so yeah. like if that's what kind of like what you're looking for, kind of that feedback loop of like you know. And again, this dog is trying to get up on Kenny. me. Hi, Kenny. Kenny How yeah. are you? Nick, are you not? You don't like dogs? No, I do like dogs. Kenny's great. I was just yeah. uh, just, just uh, derailed my point a little bit. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, what was I saying? Uh, easy way to get out of boys, and and you kind of fall into that feedback loop of everyone is is trying to, 
you know, everyone will say you're doing such a great job and, and sit like say yes, this and quote tweet you and praise you. So I, I could see it being a kind of thing. And also, too, I, I'm not going to underestimate the, the fact that I think a lot of these people or a, a lot of these advocates genuinely have some belief that comes from a good place of like, mm-hmm. I do believe in feminism or whatever, but there reaches a point where I think it becomes self-serving if you're just yeah. so And I also think a lot of these people, like, it. they do believe this stuff, but they haven't really examined their own beliefs or, sure. like, how these beliefs, like, are meant to affect their day-to-day lives. Right. You know what I mean? I think that like, we see a lot of people uh, um, who I, 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 I think I the just... best example of someone not um, living their truth that they post online is probably Arthur Chu. Arthur uh, Chu. Yeah. Oh, boy. Sue, who is, uh, you know, a very uh, – uh, famous women protector online mm-hmm. but he's also famous for mistreating his wife to the point where they got a divorce and well yeah he, ne- he neglected her i mean i i saw the the documentary at, at slam dance because i had my short film there uh so i went and i saw the who is arthur chu documentary i'm so jealous and, and while he's tweeting like arthur chu did not show up to the screening he was very unhappy with the film uh i think he Kind of, it was like it was almost like that Lance Armstrong documentary. Like Arthur Chu signed up for the documentary, right. really excited mm-hmm. to have a story made about himself, and then just was not happy to be portrayed as like a neglectful prick. Why did you include all this B-roll of like my wife uh, mopping barbecue sauce <laughs> off my chin? <laughs> have you ever? Have you? I mean, this is a guy who literally spent all this time screaming at people about feminism online while just. Straight up ignoring his wife, just neglecting her. I wouldn't say that what he did was was abusive, but it was neglectful. And uh, because he was a mind, have you ever seen his uh, his mind kill update? Yeah, this is the, when he the was Facebook thing when he talks about like killing. Yeah, let me let thoughts. me yeah. let me pull this up. This yeah. is a guy who this was at the height of Arthur Chu. I mean, if you're listening, you probably know who the fucking guy is. But like he was Jeopardy, guy, and then he got covered in ants, and that's about all that you him, need to know. Him and, Puri and Chong. The by the, I, by the way, I think the him being covered in ants was the fault of the patriarchy. So yeah, I think give so a pass too. on that. In many ways, it was uh, the height of normal in our mm. culture to be covered in ants from head to toe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, first of all, first of all, uh, Arthur Chu called himself a progressive for a very long time on the Daily Beast, which was very annoying. Um, oh, here's a great. I can't. I'm trying to find the mind kill comment. I already found something about pulling all of the men into the sea. I mean, he, yeah, he, <laughs> he just did this long Facebook post about how every once in a while he'll like think bad thoughts in order to mind kill himself. To, oh, like, sure. To like purge himself of dangerous. Yeah, found it. Yeah, okay. Here. So yes, to momentarily borrow Yudkowsky fanboy terminology, mm-hmm. I wear black robes. I am a practitioner of the dark arts. I rigorously manage my own thinking and purge myself of dangerous, unthinkable thoughts. Mind kill myself on a regular basis. This is what you have to do to be a feminist, anti-racist, progressive, a social justice stormtrooper. You have to recognize that there is no neutral culture. Neutrality is impossible. That culture is a cutthroat war of memes. And that you have to commit to picking a side and setting yourself up as a neutral arbiter of memes is impossible and is a form of surrender. You have to constantly check your privilege and unpack the knapsack and all those other buzzwords. You need to understand that the only way to be quote-unquote rational in this world is to be irrational. That the only way to be fair is to pick the right side and fight for it. We're halfway done here. (laughs) The The people who generally win are the people who do this. The people who refuse to do this are the ones who sit on the sidelines and never even lose because they aren't really playing. 
I've said before that I'm amazed at Yudkowsky actually coming out and saying this at one point, that his movement is really good at getting people to make propositional statements that he judges to be quote-unquote rational. What really the fuck at, are you talking like about? actually <laughs> effectively making rational decisions. He likens this to a dojo that teaches you how to punch rather than kick. Whereas I think a better analogy would be a dojo that teaches you how to spectate rather than fight. Five likes. Five likes. <laughs> Arthur too liked this. So I'm just like, he's, hunched, he's like hunched over naked on the toilet eating KFC. His wife's knocking on the door. Like, right. Hey, I gotta like um, go to work. And he's like, go away. <laughs> Like that's um, kind of beautiful. Like I feel like it really is making me appreciate doing that. I'm really sorry that Yudorovsky could uh, make his version of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's Yudkowski. Yudorovsky. Yeah, I don't even whatever. know what he's. No, he's, it's Jim. It's the, uh, like, this is a part. And while he's writing this shit, like he was getting uh, the the mainstream media, the Democrats decided like he was the ambassador for like liberal gamers. Yeah, Arthur right. Chu was for a little while like. He was he was like almost like this not not in the, not not occupying the same space but he was like this like Louise Mensch figure where like there's just these cycles where like there are just these weird idiots that will get retweeted by Democrats for like a few months well, I don't know I, I mean it was such an odd celebrity yeah. where it was just sort of like oh is that guy because I remember I remember when Arthur Chu was on Jeopardy before anyone knew what his politics were and his right. whole thing is like oh he's the guy who's I mean, I think people he were saying like the hard questions first. Yeah, he's applying right. crazy. he's applying game theory to play, to wow. Jeopardy. He's like hacking Jeopardy. Game and I was theory, like, oh, that's kind of interesting. People who are into game theory uh, seem stupid. Right, right. right. <laughs> Everyone that's really into game theory seems yeah. dumb. I feel like game theory and pickup artists kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, it's, it's, a it's similar stuff. Uh, but then he got like also too. Wasn't that in the 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 dramatization of of how yeah. he invented game theory in? Uh, what's the name of the movie? A Beautiful Mind. Mm. Russell Crowe's character is like it's it's a, it's a pickup scenario, right? I think it I, is. I think they're at the yeah. bar, and I think yeah. like he's like, wait, if one of us tries for, if, we're, if all five of us try for this one woman, and if then I only one these, of us uh, will get a date. If I wear a bunch of dumb feathers on my right. head, <laughs> if I just start, if I open with some close-up magic, wasn't like the real John Nash, like first of all deeply closeted, and second of all like actually abusive to his wife. Like, yeah, I don't think he was a great man. Mind guy. Yeah. Hey, John Nash, do better. Yeah, John Nash, do better. Rise from your grave and be a woman protector. <laughs> but he was a, it was an interesting, I think, like, because I followed Arthur Chu for a time before I, I was like, oh, this guy is annoying and insane. Yeah. Because I was just like, oh, it's the Jeopardy guy. Like, oh, he tweets about politics? That's interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, like any of these guys, it's like, oh, you'll have one out of every ten things that you, he'd post. And be like, hey, I can get on board with that. Right. And then you're like, wait, no, I this is... Those are outliers because this guy's an idiot. <laughs> the, Twitter has really uh, um, uh, been great for showing us how stupid everybody is. Yeah. For, for every like every single reporter, every person that like just tangentially ever becomes a public person, we all get to my idols are bad. Know how dumb they they all truly are. I'm saying grab this mouse. So sure. All idols. It's it's one of the weird things I've seen over the last couple of years, and we kind of touched on it at the beginning, is like watching all of these people we grew up loving mm -hmm. and watching all these people that we admire and, and our colleagues and friends like sort of turn into foot soldiers for the Democratic elite and like doing a bad job because the Democrats have no message at all. Right. Like they're just like you have all these comedians trying to like echo like Tom Perez and the DCCC and it just – yeah, I mean, look, like you and I, Weiger, have both sort of been prop parts of the propaganda organ of uh, for sure. of the United States government, right? Just by, I mean, just by virtue of if you're working in, 
you know, if you're working in, in comedy and TV these days, or if you're working in, you know, certainly if you're working in internet comedy and you're doing anything political, uh, and, and the thing that you're advocating for is kind of like this, you know, mainstream Democrat way of thinking. And that, that that's the idea that, like, that's kind of like the idea of doing something where you're maybe criticizing some someone from the left like yeah. you're criticizing a Democrat from the left, I think on like a you know on, on a t uh, a talk show that's on a network or on a you know uh, one of these cable cable shows that's on Comedy Central or on something that's on Funny or Die or or College Humor, even The Onion. A lot of the times, like yeah. the idea of of doing something actually leftist is just like that's no the the far end of thought is whatever the mainstream liberal way way of thinking is, and that's what you're kind of trying to advocate for, and. I mean, all I can say is that I kind of understand it in a sense because part of it is it just comes from, you know, the, the head writers and the execs behind a lot of these things are just rich liberals yeah. uh, who live in L.A. and New York. But also I think part of it is the incentives are that's the stuff that gets shared more on Facebook and that's right. the stuff that gets shared more on social media. If you do like a piece I, – I, I wrote a piece for The Onion, uh, The Onion News Network, the – the the TV show on, on IFC, um, and I wrote a a thing about drones and like it, like just that is not never going to do as well online um, as something right. that as another piece I did that was just about like the the new nominee. This was in this was after the 2012 election. It was like a, another Onion thing that I pitched, which was like the next nominee for uh, the Repu the front runner for the Republican nomination in 2016 is a shrieking white hot sphere of pure rage. <laughs> and that was like, Oh, we're going after, we're, we're just going after Republicans right. like that. That one's going to go viral. This one that's maybe criticizing Obama for using flying robots right. to kill children from the sky <laughs> is not something that people are going to want to share online. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of it, you know, we're, we're at an odd time and it is a weird thing because you know, People will They'll watch Avatar. They'll watch James Cameron have sure. flying robots kill people from the <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was gonna say that I, I I don't know. Like people talk about the mainstream media and all that kind of stuff and like how they are like liberally biased and uh, a lot of times they are. They and are. a lot of times it is because they are like given special access because like right. these people like reach out to the you know, liberal media organs in a very specific and methodical way. Like, you know, uh, I think a lot of these people don't even like realize that they're part of the quote unquote mainstream media. They've just been able to like attend enough parties that their, you know, their views have been shifted. Yeah, uh, you meet, you schmooze, you, you work with some people like, sure. oh, wow, I got hired to write a comedy sketch that's uh, coming out of a team from D.C. They're paying me way more than Taco Bell did, you know, like... <laughs> I remember the second week because I worked at I worked at Funny or Die and, and part of my time overlapped when you when you were working there, Jack. But I remember like my second week working at Funny or Die. This was like 2011, and I, it was like a meeting with me and a couple other writers and the 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 head of the company with a an actor from the West Wing who brought in a copy of whatever Al Franken's current book was <laughs> and was just like, I want to make this into a musical. And it's just, <laughs> and it's just sort of like, but like it's, it's, it's what you're saying of just like, oh, that's access of, of oh, I have the celebrity here. This right. is what they want to do. Well, you know, right, right. part of our business, if we're, if we're making comedy for TV or online, is trying to facilitate getting celebrity cameos. So, right. yeah, if they, want, if, if they have some sort of think, political thing that they're going to advocate for, 
a, a lot of these are just a lot of these people are just rich liberals. Yeah, a right. lot of the and time they, what they're going to advocate for is people that have invited them to lunch, right? <laughs> to sure. luncheons yeah. and shit. It's a it's a weird thing. Al Franken. Al Franken was you know the guy who hung up on Henry Kissinger when he wanted to visit SNL, and then you know forty years later he's telling all the Bernie or Bust people to be quiet at the Democratic <laughs> convention. It's it, it's uh it's as people get older and as systems become more hardened and entrenched, it's like. People move to the right, and they don't even know it. Right. And I have not, I mean, just, just spe- speaking for myself, I obviously can't speak for you guys, but I, I, uh, of all the, the Democrats to criticize, I don't have a particular beef with Al Franken any sure. more so than any other Senate Democrat. Yeah. But, I mean, like, it, it, it is I, – I think there there is something to just the idea of – for uh, that is that is just like what liberal or that just what is that is the extent of the left of leftist thought for a lot of people that's the overton window in right. los angeles mm-hmm. in terms of the entertainment industry any further left than that and it scares the executives it scares the money also i think as with a lot of things it's the easiest opinion to hold right sure. very very easy to opinion uh, uh, to hold like what is on the website when you go to democrats.org and be like right there that are my political beliefs but the thing right that there. drives me crazy is the, like so many of these people you can name them like michael even black um laura Sil- sure. laura silverman um the guy, uh, mm. Conan Psychic and his wife. I forget. Andy Richter yeah. is especially <laughs> Andy bad. Richter. Yeah, like yeah. All, Tara Tyre has some bad like shit, there's too. There's so many of them. And it's, I got into it with them last and year. And so and it's like it's one thing if you have decided that – if you decided that Hillary Clinton was your girl and you were going to support her because she was the front runner and you don't want to think about it any harder. But if like a year later you're still trying yeah. to attack like – Bernie Sanders supporters, like something is just deeply, deeply wrong with you and your politics and your yeah. mind in general. Like you don't actually have anything that you stand for if you're spending your day like you know shitting on like Nina Turner because she. It make the, it's absolutely baffling and it's 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 heartbreaking. Like it also is elitist as fuck when you have like multi-millionaire you know people spending all of their time. You know, punching left, and for what? For what other than just to maintain their own sense of comfort? Like, Andy Richter has more money than God. He doesn't have to spend all. I don't his know. Time. They're on TBS now. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. It's but this is a more money man. than the tweet He's a of God. Man. And, but it's like it's if you have like if I had millions and millions of dollars, like why the fuck would I be on Twitter at all ever? Well, if I had millions and millions of dollars, I would be on Twitter so much more. There's <laughs> yeah, nothing else to do. I Jack, would like Jack would be Notch. I would just be <laughs> yeah. I would just be living. Yeah, I would be like I would buy the house from Notch right. and just sit in there and shit post all day like at Citizen Kane. That's one thing I totally like. I totally empathize with 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 like J.K. Rowling. I don't really agree with their politics, but like the fact the idea of being a billionaire and just being like, oh, this is my personal platform to just say whatever the fuck I want all the time. Like, I can can completely relate to that. I mean, Leslie, you can of course relate to I will never stop posting. (laughs) Well, I'll actually have to take that back. If I became a billionaire, I would totally stop posting. I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care anymore. I'm sorry. I have a submarine. Why am I...
a little bit of uh, uh, politics talk. You know, people, when I, I look at the Doughboys subreddit and all yes. that stuff, people are always like, Nick needs to talk politics and shit. Sure. So what do you think about that? Uh, <laughs> what, what do I think about politics? I mean, well, what do you, I mean we were just going to ask you, like, so what are your politics? Sure. Uh, 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 you or have you ever been a communist? I think it's oh, where we're going to start You know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing on our podcast because – Ours is about – if you're not familiar with the, with our podcast, we talk about chain restaurants and, you know, food in America is so much wrapped up in politics because, so, like, just so much of agricultural subsidies dictate what we eat and, and you know, the conditions on factory farms are uh, something that's, that's heavily politicized and varies from state to state and – um, certainly the labor conditions at, 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 at a lot of these factory farms, not to mention the labor conditions at, at food in the food service industry itself, where, you know, certainly the, the most visible advocates for Fight for 15 have been people working in fast food and chain restaurants. And so, I mean, for me, my whole thing is that I, to talk in general terms, I just feel like I, I, I think, I think capitalism has failed in America and I feel like there's just it, it, it it's just such a punishingly cruel system, and uh, I mean like I, I guess just a lot of my personal politics are just dictated by empathy and just just the fact that I feel like everyone just deserves just dignity and and, and you know basic human human rights and I feel like that's just like so much of that is just depri- like people are deprived of that in America. Wow, that was really offensive. That was really offensive. Like, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but facts do not care about your feelings, Uh sir. You you triggered Leslie. (laughs) I'm sorry, Leslie. I'd like to retract all of that. Um, I'm I'm just going to type something out on my notes app on my phone, and I'll tweet that out, and that'll serve as my apology. Um I was going to say, so, you know, uh, uh, obviously, I think that that's a good set of political beliefs to, yeah. to start from. Uh, um, and so do you think that uh, uh, we're going to be able to accomplish any of that with the Democratic Party? Well, I mean, this is the thing. and I, 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 oh, It's one of those things that I've only read in, in political uh, science like books, so I don't really know how to pronounce it, but I think it's Duverger's Law or Duverger's Law, I whatever it is. I don't fucking know. Yeah. It's, it's basically a principle a how, in, how in a winner-take-all uh, system – it's which is what we have. We have a first, first pass to the post. Yeah, yeah you, you know, it, it, in that sort of system, it, we're naturally going to end up with two parties, and that's just how it works in America. And if you kind of look at the the state level politics throughout the country, and you look at obviously national politics, it's just a two party system. So, I mean, I used to be like a, a an enemy of the perfect enemy is the perfect of the good sort of like you know a mainstream liberal sort mm-hmm. of like uh, like you. Know, uh, a yeah. pragmatist liberal and I've, I've, got, I've gotten a lot more leftist than that but I still do believe that fundamentally I think that, that we will have to work within the Democratic Party and I think that, that a big part of it will have to be like you know uh, I, I mean um, you know like the assembly delegates and and uh, would the assembly delegates in, in the state of California was something that those we had those those election meetings last year and uh, those were something where a lot of candidates got involved who were more leftist and the, the California State Party as a result not it hasn't been taken over but it it's been pushed a little bit mm-hmm, to the right. left and I think you sort of like have to kind of make those incremental advances I mean it's just organizing fundamentally right, right? And, it, and just and try to see if you can uh, for me it, I feel like the best the best chance for success 
is to push the Democratic Party further left. So to answer your question, Jack, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's just do you think any of that shit can happen no. before this is all over with? No, I mean, the California Democratic Party, they did, they did screw over all right. of their new delegates. Yeah. And they installed like a, a, a PAC guy, uh, a super PAC guy, Eric, the E-Bombs world dude, Eric Bauman. They, no, it's they, not they, actually the E-Bombs world guy. Know, it's the guy with the same name. the same name as the E-Bombs world guy. So I'm just going to call him E-Bombs world guy. And, uh, it, it, then they then they killed healthcare here. They killed. Yeah, uh, right. That was pretty fucked. That was I mean, that was a very disappointing thing to witness uh, uh, happen. Because even though that was ultimately kind of you know that wouldn't have created uh, uh, a single payer system directly in California. It's yes. just Like why not? We let every fucking thing in the world go to ballot here in California. Well, like, they, we, we, we will vote on any kind of train. We're not allowed to vote on single payer. California will suck its own dick about being the seventh largest economy in the world and how it's, you know, the, uh, the home of the hashtag resistance. But then they have the opportunity to get all the homeless people off the street and yeah. get, a, you know, decent health care for everyone here. And, and they, they, uh, they don't do yeah, it. So, right. I mean, yeah. So the on. thing about, like, taking over the party, like, I sp- when I went, to, I went to Philadelphia to see the actual DNC convention, and like the thing about mm. taking over the party is like all those people who control the party now are already there, and like they're not going anywhere, sure. and they have money and they have connections, and they're there every four years at that damn convention, mm. and it's like all. And yeah, also, I went to that convention too, and literally, what those people will do, uh, they are they are so they're so obsessed with lanyards and like security passes that like they they change the security passes after the first right. day at the DNC. So a lot of the like me, I, I wasn't a Bernie delegate; I was there for media. But a lot of like the people that you know would be there to shift the party left were, were literally out. kicked out of the room. Seat fillers. Sorry to interrupt oh, you, no, Leslie. No, yeah, I just was gonna. Yeah, uh, same. Th- yeah, exactly. You know, as long as these as long as these people control the lanyard, sure. they control the future of the yeah, party. So I, I like. I actually met this like um, single mother who drove, you know, f- um, like eight hours um, to go and see be at the DNC, and she was like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna try to run for a state council, and she was a black woman and I'm a black man, so I talked to her like a black woman. I'm like, ma'am, you, you, I, I feel you, but you see all these bougie ass women who. Are wearing black other mm. black women who are wearing three thousand dollar suits who are you, mm. whose primary goal will be to make sure someone like you never even gets on the ballot, let alone becomes a representative. Like, how are you gonna? How do you really believe you can fight that? And like, I wasn't trying to like dissuade uh, dissuade her from doing it. Like, I really want to know like where does she get that strength from that she sees all that and still wants to fight within the party? Because I see that shit. And I'm like. Fuck it, we're just gonna have a revolution. Like, I'm not, like we're just gonna bust out the guillotines. Like I'm not even gonna try. Hey, you know, I, I. There's, uh, there's our episode. There's I'm, our guillotine no, mention the of guillotine. the episode. <laughs> but I, I've, I've been, I've been struggling this for a while too, Leslie. Like I, I am pretty torn between because I, I, I honestly like look. Okay, to maintain our current system, the uh, uh, while simultaneously breaking it, you know, in the in the least you know, fucked up violent way possible. Yeah, it's it's reformation of the Democratic Party. But, you know, we're already starting to see what happens when the Democratic Party refuses to reform itself. It's like people want Antifa to stop, you know, conservatives and liberals, they're freaking out about, you know, violent leftists. Right. Like, well you wanna you wanna see that stop. 
Give them a fucking seat at the table. It's also so insane. By the, it's insane that how much liberals have now just like completely taken up Trump's talking point with regard to like Antifa. Uh, I don't know. It's it's disappointing to me. You sure. got all these people who feel like the that the Democratic Party has completely failed them. I mean, myself included. And then the the answer from the Democrats is, well, uh, go fuck yourself. But also, like, what do you want Trump to win again? <laughs> fuck uh, sure. We're I the guess, Democrats. <laughs> I guess with with all this talk about like whether or not you do it from within the Democratic Party or without or whatever, I guess I would say that uh, I'm ready to live in a post-apocalyptic hell land. Right. Uh, and I, I basically just want to uh, be the uh, giggling sidekick to uh, the head of some oh, syndicate. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just just so long as he keeps me with good internet. It's just, that's because there's just a lot of bottle caps <laughs> in the room. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so yeah. you know we've talked some politics. We talked about the future of the Democratic Party. Now it's time to get into what this episode is really about, which is Sonic the motherfucking Hedgehog. Oh Sonic man, Mania is here. I was ready. I was. I was seriously ready for an entire Sonic Mania episode. <laughs> so this is great. I mean, this we, is, we I'm may glad still we're finally do. Into we it. may still do. We an may entire still do Sonic an entire Mania. episode <laughs> from this point. Uh, um, so uh, uh, let's check in. Has everybody played Sonic Mania? Has yes. everybody beaten yeah. Sonic Mania? We've all got the seven Chaos Emeralds. Right? Oh, no, I did not get the good ending yet. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, Leslie, was that a requisite for coming on? I, uh, no. I played it, but I I am never going to beat that game. I'm sorry. Like, I, I was a Nintendo <laughs> boy back in the day. Like, I played a little bit of Sonic, but sure. like, it, it's just too late for me. I'm too old to be good enough at Sonic. Right. I, I think that that is actually a common reaction to this specific Sonic Mania game. Like, Matt, uh, our friend Maddie was talking to us about it, and I, I kind of do think that you maybe can't play this game if you didn't play Sonic when you were younger. Well, it's it's so different from, and Leslie, I too was, was grew up playing Nintendo, and and you know, for me, I, I a lot of a lot of my Sonic admiration for was from afar at my, my brother's friend's house who had a Genesis, and and going over there to play Sonic One and Two. Um, as well as Altered Beast and, and Golden Axe, but uh, uh, the but it's such a different way of playing than most platformers. Mm-hmm. It's just like the idea of like you you're not really exploring within a space. You're just trying to remain as much as possible in constant forward motion. Right, and so it it kind of takes a different like it's it's kind of a different way of thinking and also kind of a different way of you know using your twitch reflexes mm-hmm. like you kind of have to you kind of have to respond to things differently and you kind of have to have the perspective of like oh i'm not going to take a second and fight this enemy i'm just going to try to get past it as quickly as possible if that means dispatching it jumping on top of it yes but also that might just mean dashing right past it and, and just yeah. moving forward in the same sometimes sometimes you got to go back to the golden rule gotta go fast <laughs> right <laughs> but the good thing about sonic mania is actually what sega has tried to do for the last 20 years is only work on that. Sonic is fast, and then he's surrounded by thousands of like weird animals that people jerk off to. Right. And this goes back to the basics. There's Sonic, there's Tails, there's Knuckles. That's fucking it. Like, I mean, there's like a cameo from Knack the Weasel, Fang the Sniper, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's still the big Robotnik Eggman debate. He will always be Robotnik to me because I'm a... Well, let's I'm get into this. Let's, let's everybody go on record. Leslie, where do you stand? Is it... Dr. Robotnik or oh, it's Eggman? definitely Dr. Robotnik, but I understand why they changed it because I because saying it in jet with the uh, Japanese like katakana pronunciation is probably really difficult. It's Robotnik, and which is like some kind of meat oh, yeah, actually. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> robot meat, or so, basically what it would be. So I can understand why they would change it to Eggman. 
So, so what? It sounds like food in their language, and it sounds like food in our <laughs> language. When they send, they, they send it back with Eggman. When, when you were in Japan, Leslie, did you see? Did Sonic have? Uh, did Sonic have like any cultural significance there? Like, if you went to Akibara, would you find yeah, Sonic you would stuff? See a, or, like, cause I know yeah, you would see a, big... a lot of Sonic stuff because Sega ha- owns the arcades, but like you wouldn't see like Sonic games, but you would see like his logo on like the little like pachinko yeah. bars pachinko parlors or like the little um things where you um like the things where you put the quarters in and get a little toy out you mm-hmm, see a lot right. of those like so sonic was the future yeah, Metal so Gear. sonic was around but like of course there weren't any games like no nobody sonic. under the age of like 18 had actually played a sonic game or anything like that yeah it's weird like uh i mentioned this earlier and we were recording at some point but there's like kind of a generational divide between like the post the people who grew up on Dreamcast Sonic mm-hmm. and the people who grew up on Sega Genesis Sonic, where yeah. the Genesis Sonic games and Sonic CD, for that matter, they are built on speed and momentum, but they're also about breaks in it and how to handle the break. When a spike's coming along, when sure. you p- platform a bunch of bad guys, you have to all of a sudden hit the brakes really hard and then just bop a bunch of them and keep moving. Jonathan it, is, by the way, gesticulating like uh, when, Sol- when Solieri talks about the piece that Mozart did yeah, that he I'm was so jealous like, of. I'm, I'm doing like the Bernie Sanders gesticulation. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to, I want to point out for the listeners that you are deeply, deeply passionate about this. I am this. deeply passionate. I had Sonic pajamas as a child. I was, when there were the console wars as a kid, I would argue about Sega being superior to Nintendo forever. And oh, I boy. Loved... That, that was the original uh, 2016 primary. <laughs> the, the and yeah. those wounds still have not healed. Right. <laughs> those wounds still have not healed. I guess that means, like, sort of like Jack Thompson was like the Ozzy Mandias of the whole thing. Like, as soon as they started <laughs> that is really to take funny. everyone's Mortal Kombat away, the, the yeah, battle we, stopped. We all united. We were like, <laughs> we set aside our controllers. Right. We are gamers. Yeah, it was like the last episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, which sucked, by the way. Just for, <laughs> for the record, right. it was also bad. Um, but yeah, I, so I my experience with Sonic is I grew up playing Nintendo, and I'm old enough where in the 80s, it, it was it, what I kind of think, mentally think of it as the no-friendo era, where it was not cool to play video games. It was not, I don't think it was socially acceptable, really, to play right. video games as a kid until probably the mid-90s. Honestly, like I think Genesis was the beginning of it, and, and then PlayStation was really what made it like, oh, video games are like a cool thing for a teenager to do, right. and an acceptable thing for an adult male to do. Uh, whereas prior to that, it was just like, like oh, if you were... If you played Nintendo, that was not something you maybe told a few friends about it, but it wasn't something that you would like brag about on the playground. And right. It, 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 it was like lame. So, Sonic was was kind of transformative because he was just so much. It was the first time I remember any sort of video game character being at all cool. Yeah. It was the first time I sort of like remember, and it's weird to think of it now because it's like he seems so quaint and he's been, you know, there, there's there's so much weird fan art about him, and he's yeah. kind of like like he exists in cartoons for children. He right. he doesn't really seem edgy at all. But there was a time when it was basically. Uh, the same time frame as as when The Simpsons was coming on the air, and like Bart Simpson was like this edgy, cool bad boy, yeah. and everyone was like, like, oh, Bart's Bart says uh, hell on television. <laughs> yeah, Bart was a little ruder. Right. Sonic was a little ruder too. He would like get in your face if you didn't move. Yeah, he wags his finger, finger wag, yeah. at the finger at the end of every level. I, you got the sense that maybe he was a little disrespectful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and you know that compared with you know you had Sonic and and you had this kind of like just like this driving score, and you had this. Guy just like you had this this character running so fast and and uh, you know just like the way it was marketed was just so like in your face and and crass and then meanwhile.
while like like Nintendo had Mario and I love Mario but it was like Mario serves royalty. Mario is right. a monarchist. Sure. We we talked about we were talked about this a little when we, we talked, talked when we did on stream. Twitch. Yeah. Uh, uh, but there are like interesting sort of like anti-capitalist themes that run through Sonic. Oh, I think I, it's I, overt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That like he's I didn't. A, I wasn't really terrorist. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's because it was you know kind of came out of the '90s. It has this kind of like. Uh, uh, I don't know. It has this green '90s ethos. Sure, of, like I mean, save Captain the rainforest. Was coming around around yeah. the same time. Fern there was a lot Gully. of stuff for children that was like about like how corporations were bad. In I mean, the 90s. I'm too I'm too young to know this because I was a kid when it came out. But I wonder how much of like that resurgence in early '90s sort of like environment pro environment entertainment was almost like a like a, a liberal like ref, a refutation of like the past eight years of Reagan maybe mm. yeah I, I, I also wonder I mean, what where does that come from where does that fad come from what is more responsible for the green movement in America today is it the is it an inconvenient truth or is it actually Captain Planet were more children influenced Ted by Turner. Captain Planet right I don't know that I think probably Captain Planet but anyway there are you know at its core Sonic is about you know, a hedgehog that stands up against, like, sort of the prototypical avatar of capitalism. Like, right. he looks like... Robotnik looks like the Monopoly man. He's yeah. He's big lapels on his suit. He's he looks like Roger guy. Ailes. He, yeah. He, he builds expensive machines. He captures animals. Yeah. And, you know, he takes beautiful, lush, green sort of seascapes and turns them into fucking... Star Oil Wars hell zones and... is is that the idea behind the Sonic lore? Like if you if you're looking at the the early Sonic platformers, is the idea that this was once a, you know this this was once this undisturbed like natural yeah. landscape, and it's been been made sort of it's been mechanized well, that's by the, the whole thing is that uh, right. Robotnik slash Eggman. It's more overt in the Sad Am cartoon, the one where he was with the Freedom Fighters and Princess Sally, and also like the weird comics that turned into a fetish for like the main artist. The comics I like. I like started reading some of the comics uh, in the last couple weeks, and they are fucking out there. The Sonic comics weird. are like crazy. Uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, detailed continuity there, and then Nick, I, you probably don't have any idea about this, and nobody really should, but mm -hmm. this guy Ken Penders who wrote like these Sonic comics for like the, the for years he created a bunch of like Knuckles's extended family and then when he left the title he sued Archie to get the rights to like Knuckles's family like 20 wow. echidnas that he, he fought for over <laughs> that all look rights. like Knuckles they all look exactly like Knuckles oh she's really which is funny because like Sonic was designed by committee from beginning and and that's part of the reason why I think Sonic sucked for so long is after the original Sonic team Sonic Team never disbanded, but everybody who came from Sonic Team, Yuji Naka, uh, Yuji Naka, that's the guy <laughs> I know. Uh, he was like the main programmer. Uh, he left, and uh, I think he like makes pachinko machines and mobile games now, but he left Sega, and Sonic Team for... Well, actually, there was two things. Sonic 2 was made in America. Sonic 1 was made in Japan. And there's always been this cultural clash. And Sonic uh, 1 sucks. For Sonic the most 1's part. not that great. He, he can't, can't even spin dash. dash. It's crazy. It's you still, know, no I mean, yeah, I, I don't think Sonic 1 is has necessarily aged well. And certainly, like, replaying, like, Green Hill Zone in Sonic Mania and having access to the spin dash, like, that sort of... And I know it's not exact. It's not... It's a know, beautiful thing. It's, it's very cool. Yeah. But, but, I mean, I think just, like, the... 
the innovation that was present in Sonic the Hedgehog, to me, it's it's just sort of like, yeah, it's like the original Super Mario Brothers. Right. I'd rather play the later iterations in it, but it's still like yeah. really Scrap Brain Zone's well always going to like make me fucking want to throw my controller, but I mean, <laughs> it's also like without Scrap Brain Zone, there would be no uh, Wink Fortress Zone, so you know. I, I was thinking like a little about. Forward. So we were talking about how Sonic is the first sort of com, uh, you know video game character to be cool. Sure. Uh, and obviously that led to the legacy of characters like Crash Bandicoot and uh, X. The, uh, the God of War. The God of War is cool too. Yeah, Kratos, Kratos. I guess. Uh, uh, whatever. Uh, um, but I was gonna say like Arrow the Acrobat. <laughs> Arrow the Acrobat and Bubsy. Uh, Star. <laughs> Star is actually fucking dope. Like, Star is great. I don't know Star. Uh, but yeah, like the '90s had like it it's had actually a, interesting. It kind of matched the attitude era of like the WWF at the time. Like the '90s were all about like being disrespectful to authority inside a very like small set of acceptable parameters. <laughs> sure, but Image Comics yeah. too. Yeah. It's like the same thing. Comic books with the rise of well. Rob Liefeld. Like there was, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's kind of a weird thing that the 90s had, like, this really rebellious spirit. Because when you look back, like, everything seems really like... It was like the complete corporatization right. of all culture, uh, all American culture, via Bill Clinton, mm. um, basically, and the deregulation and all that stuff. And that's when MTV stopped becoming, you know, this little guy who was playing music videos. But the network that was TRL, you know, what music... Yeah, what music you buy, and you were going to buy Backstreet Boys, and you had no choice about that. Yeah, it's a, it's a very weird thing, and I, I do wonder how much of that is, like, it comes from the, con I wonder how much of that comes from those sort of capitalistic contradictions, where it's like, be, be a rebel, but blend in, like, stand <laughs> out, but not too much, like, follow the rules, but Mod break them when you can. Mountain Dew commercials. Yeah. Dew I was just going to say, though, that, like... So what do you think it is about Sonic's rebellious spirit that led so many people to do drawings of him as like a toilet? And shit? Right. Well, my suspicion is I, I think it's that I think it's a it's a slightly younger generation, maybe not. But I, I, I I don't know the, the exact the, this is speculative, but my theory is that it's a slightly younger generation who grew up more with the cartoons, and that was kind of their introduction to a, you know, a, a, like. That was the yeah. That was the kind of their introduction to furry culture. Is that Sonic was like, oh, this is this is this. Uh, Sonic and his and his shitty friends are like kind of my who I find cool and attractive. And don't you it, speak ill of Antoine and Rotor? <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, uh, Rotor the Walrus. Rotor right, the right. Walrus. Um, yeah, no, I, I, you know, you talked about this before, JDB, and I think it's probably true that maybe all of furrydom can be traced back to Sonic. Yeah. And I'll even go one step further. I think it can all be traced back to how Princess Sally has little boobs. Yeah. On the cartoon. Was, they shouldn't have drawn the little years, boobs on her. Yeah, I mean, I, there was no Playboy yet for me. You know, I'm nine years old. I'm reading Sonic comics. I'm posting on my AOL Sonic fan message board. Um, you I, sound I'm, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm, on, I'm a really cool guy. You know, I'm on Sonic Fan Games HQ and TSSZ, the Super Sonic Zone. Like, I've got my own Angel Fire web ring for all the other Sonic sites can happen. And around the yeah, same just time... An just an average 10-year-old. I'm year an old. average 10-year-old kid, but, like, over the years, and all of a sudden, puberty begins, and you're having, like, dirty thoughts. And, well, like, I don't know any girls. I have Sonic, though. Maybe I can... Yeah. I, I, I almost feel like... Shut, like, because Sonic... The rise of Sonic 
was happening around the same time as the rise of like 56k mainstream internet right where people were adopting aol in big numbers and putting computers into their homes in ways they hadn't before well, and, it's all, and actually it, it, connecting and and i wonder if the sexual coming of age of millennials actually matches the rise and fall of sonic the hedgehog right i also think that maybe it's you know that like Maybe back in like the seventies, people would be doing drawings of like uh, Garfield with boobs, but they just didn't have anyone to show it. Yeah, to. they had like, no way right. to communicate. Like yeah. how how like was that like a? But I mean, there there was a point where that began, right? That this wasn't something that dates back to the. There wasn't a time in Renaissance art where people were like drawing a pregnant Garfield. You know what I mean? Like it was, like it has it has to do with. I, I feel like it's like post Disney is what where people started to maybe right. Be aware of like like cartoon anthropomorphic as sexual, animals yeah. as sexual creatures. Well, I mean, I guess it probably has to do. I, I'm gonna th guess. And I'm yeah. Gonna, well, because there 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 always have been like porno comics and sure. things like that. But I think it has something to do with uh, uh, the actual without with actual animation with the fact that you can see them like in motion and moving and everything like that. Like I feel I, I wonder if there's a porn so of, of Gertie the dinosaur out there of like right. the first animated piece. Like I wonder if it is the the motion that makes them feel more human and anything that seems human at all we want to fuck well and i also think it's our like i don't know i feel like people were probably jerking off to like secret of nim and five goes west and like all those Don oh Blue i can guarantee that they land were. before time like all those 80s hand-drawn cartoons people were jerking off to those i think the internet made it uh, so a lot of people who felt like freaks could come together and celebrate but, but it's so weird that why sonic like why Sonic over all of the other ones? Well, it's like, also the it's also kind of the era. I mean, like like you know that was the time frame. I, I'm realizing also contemporaneous with with the the Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon was it might have just also kind of tied in with 90s edge because I remember Lola Bunny was from Space yeah. Jam was like oh, this yeah. sexualized yeah. Uh, cartoon bunny which is previously that isn't how you saw female characters represented or in rabbits uh, rabbits <laughs> yeah certainly <laughs> represented Jessica in, Rabbit wasn't even a fucking rabbit yeah, right yeah. Human, yeah and so. But I I wonder if part of it is that you know this this because I think for internet culture it's or internet subcultures it feels like part of that is like having ownership of like or uh -huh. having like I have my own thing my yeah. own little weird thing and Sonic is almost like like well, there's enough awareness of it but it's also just weird and specific enough right where you're kind of a different person if you like Sonic the Hedgehog and you focus on Sonic the Hedgehog versus say the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles right. you know right yeah like which by the way there's plenty of porn of you of course yeah so right ninja. I mean it's the internet you find porn about anything uh, yeah but it, it's uh, the, the, I think the worst I saw was like someone was like uh, no never mind Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, normally I would push, but yeah, let's not I'm do just it. Just gonna keep that one to myself. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little more specifically about Sonic Mania. Right. Uh, yeah. What are everyone's thoughts? Uh, it. I cried when I first started <laughs> playing it. I actually shed a few tears of it when 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 it went Sega. I had like this weird little like transported into like a four year old body moment where yeah. I was just like I I. It's weird because I, I felt so innocent and pure. It's that it sounds really fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're getting to the core of why there's so much Sonic porn. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there is a. Uh, I felt like I, I was uh, a child, and I felt like although the game is a lot harder than the Sega Genesis Sonics, it's made for the people who played them, like very 
you're right, exclusively, because if you've never played a Sonic game before, it's probably really fucking hard, especially those awful special stages where you have yeah. to get the Chaos Emeralds. So what do you, what do you think, Nick? I, I mean, I, I love the game. I think it's a great package. I think just, you know, it's a great value, and I think it's just... The, the mix of these these remixed classic levels from a bunch of different Sonics. And, and, you know, if you're like me, you never played Sonic CD outside of an emulator. Sure. So because just like the Sega CD thing was not something you ever had access to. So getting to, to play those Sonic CD levels you've never experienced, as well as the, the new levels, the only one that really rubbed me at all was, was Titanic Monarch's Zone, the final, the final yeah. stage, because... Yeah, I, I think it's kind of like it's it, the mechanics it introduces aren't super exciting, and also these the levels are very bloated. They're just like I feel like you're pushing up against the ten minute time limit, and right. like with all of these, and they're just sort of like I wish these these weren't so long, and they'd made some edits. But Studiopolis Zone, I think, is great. Very Press cool. Garden Zone is, Press is Garden really cool. Is Mirage Saloon is awesome. Uh-huh. Um, well, yeah, the first act being the Sky Chase homage right. from Sonic Two, and then the second act being. Uh, Oil Ocean as Sandopolis from Sonic 3 and K was like a cool hybrid zone, too. Yeah, they like added the lighting half Sonic effect. 2, half Sonic 3. Right, they kind of mixed some things together from various games and, and, and also just, you know, sort of reconfigured some existing levels. See, I think it's a great package, and I think it's really, it's it's just super fun. I love that they just sort of are like, you know, they're not trying to, to they, apparently it's a different engine, but the physics feel like identical to I the, mean, it's the original how game. well they did it Sega right. has spent over 20 years trying to recreate those physics and they failed they got so desperate they went to a message board they went to Sonic Retro and they asked all the people who spent all day arguing of they argue about 2D Sonic physics the way that like the people at Jacobin argue about Marx. Right. I mean, with such detail and precision and such obsessiveness. Right. This is theory. Sega had no choice. Like they it was this or they like run out of business. I mean, the last real good Sonic game was Sonic Generations and it was good for a Sonic game. This is a game that Look, even if you're not a Sonic, I mean, I said earlier that like if you're not a Sonic fan, you might it might be really too hard for you, but it is like objectively a a good game that isn't broken. Right. It's the last 20 years. I mean, well, I mean Sonic yeah, the, the Sonic games where the... Sonic's like banging a, a human. Like yeah. that was the the real low. But yeah. I feel like the decline has really been since Sonic Adventure 2 and Sonic Heroes after that. And yeah, uh, it it is crazy that it does feel like Sonic Team proper does not know how to make a Sonic game anymore, and it's just funny to see like this is ostensibly a ROM hack. Like this is a yeah, ROM right. hack that we are paying money for, and it, it like there's almost functionally no difference between it and a ROM hack. It was like made on a web forum uh, uh, based on old games, and maybe that's better. I wanted to maybe explore why. You know, Nick, I know that you at least lie about pretending to like The Force Awakens. Uh, and I just wanted to... No, hold on. <laughs> no, continue with Nick, the point. Nick uh, uh, won't break kayfabe about uh, his ongoing, uh, uh, very aggravating lie that he likes the movie The Force Awakens. <laughs> um, and I just wanted to pull apart a little bit for me. Uh, right. uh, why is it that I find this Sonic game so appealing when it is just a retread uh, versus something mm-hmm. like Force Awakens. Like, something... For some reason, in video games, it feels... Uh, um, I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that I'm the one in control of it and it's, like, an experience I'm having, but I'm much more willing to accept a total retread in a video game than I am I'll in tell a movie. You, I'll tell you why. Because if, if 10 years ago... Yuji Naka came out and said, I'm getting the original Sonic team back together to make a proper Sonic sequel separate from Sega, and he made it, and it fucking sucked. People would go, 
Oh, fuck Yuji Naka. Fuck the guy who created Sonic. He can't make Sonic games anymore. That's, That's what happened with George Lucas. Yeah. George Lucas made three Star Wars movies that the general public, for the most part, fucking hated, and they turned against him. Sure. They love Star Wars still. They hate the guy who made Star Wars. And right. that that's, goes into the... I what, mean, what, really, what fans it, love is the trademark. I love right. the trademark of Star Wars. I love the world. I love the lore. I love the wikia. Yeah. I love the characters. But the people who made it, I, I, I don't give a fuck. And that's like... It's an interesting thing that happens when, like, eventually a creation becomes so big that you don't even need the people who made it anymore for it to sustain itself. And Star Wars is, and, and Marvel Comics too. I mean, you know, like, like there's no the people who created this thing are are long gone. You know, yeah. they're not involved anymore. But it is such an i it, it, they've become so iconic and so definitive that it's it's not difficult to. I mean, with Sonic, it was really difficult to replicate, and they tried forever. It, it, was it never really worked. In, it never really worked in three D. No, but even like Sega made two D Sonic. Yeah, they made two D Sonic Four episode kind of one failed. and two, and they and they fucking sucked. Like right. they just couldn't do it. And but those weren't the people. Like it's weird when it comes to video games and movies. Uh, video games feel like they still have a few auteurs left, and and. Sorry, video game. Sorry, rather, video games got rid of the auteurs quicker than the movie industry did. Interesting. Kojima feels like, at well, least Kojima's in the in the AAA world. Yeah. In the AAA world, the auteurs are are losing control over everything. Like you, the AAA auteurs are gone at this late stage. Twenty seventeen, everything is a shared universe sort of entertainment capitalism. Like there's no room for somebody who has a, a vision that's off brand. Like every and so because of that, uh, I think guys like Abrams are celebrated because they 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 can. Well, that's my thing. Is that I, I would almost rather see you know the version that would have just been made by Star Wars fans than sure. J.J. Abrams. Uh, uh, but I don't know. What do you think, Nick? Well, was that gibberish? Or did I fuck no, that up? No, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, just to speak to that point real quick, I can say is because I you know I and I haven't worked in the video game industry since 2009, but what it seemed to be doing then is it was pushing towards this direction. I think this speaks to towards pushing out our tours is just the idea that you would get a franchise like Call of Duty, mm-hmm. which when it, it its first iteration was by the studio Infinity Ward and Infinity Ward had a lot of control and they, they put a lot of care into it. The first one was this 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 very serious tone World War II game um, that, that was very critically well received. And as they sort of franchised that, they reached a point where they realized, well, we can just keep making a new Call of Duty every year, and it doesn't really matter which developer makes it. We'll farm it out to a bunch of different developers. We'll have the brand. We'll have the name on, on the box. And some of them the, the critics will like. Some of them they won't. Some of them the fans will like. Some of them they won't. But we'll sell a bunch of copies every year. It's kind of the Madden model applied to right. these different franchises. So I think that's had something to do with some of these developers being pushed out of the, the AAA world. Oh, but, that's interesting. Zipella, yeah. Yeah, but to address the 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 larger thing of like why it's maybe satisfying versus why you 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 can't you didn't respond to the Force Awakens. I mean, I think I think a big part of it is just like so much of it is it's just it's just Sonic. You know, yeah. it's not like a like oh here's the new generation of Sonic. We're gonna we're, it's not Sonic passing well, a torch been to trying to do though. Yeah, exactly. They've been trying to cultivate these right. new characters. This 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 you know this this giant universe. But it hasn't really. This isn't the game where you're handing, you're passing the torch to Charmy B, right. and we're going to see Charmy B playing through these levels. It's just sort of right. like, oh, we're going to see Sonic doing it. And we're getting to, to replicate that part of our yeah. of our past that we enjoy. I mean, I guess for me also, it's interesting that it's like you know, 
in a movie you're just watching, like, it seems kind of sad. It's all these older people, like, you know, wearing the same outfits and sure. everything like that. And it feels kind of sad. With the Sonic game, I am Sonic. You know right. what I mean? So the Sonic game comes out, and I'm like, oh, good. I'm Sonic again, and there's new adventures for me to deal with. Right. Yeah, I'm not shy. Yeah, I'm, I'm more not... happy to, uh, to, I don't know, put up with a rehash with something like that. Yeah, that, that's uh, what, that's the main difference between, like, the movie and the game is, like, the game is interactive. So even a rehash, even just a remake, is a lot more satisfying than the movie that's just the same shit over, over again. Because you have to sit there and passively watch two hours of J.J. Abrams jerking off, right? You don't have to do that with this game. God, you know, you can fucking, actually enjoy it. <laughs> when those tentacles glomped onto the Millennium Falcon... Wait, are like, you talking old, about the Rathars, of course? Yeah, or whatever those things Nick were. Like, the well, like, I can't, I can't defend the Rathars. Old, old Harrison Ford, just like, I'm still wearing the, this vest... The character design of the Rathars is not particularly compelling compared to all the various Star Wars games. But, but Leslie, so, so Sonic was not something you played a lot of in the past. Which Sonic games have you, have you played previously? I basically only like Sonic 2 and mm. 3 on like a friend's Genesis, and that's basically right. Those are the it. best Sonic games. And, like, you know, getting back into this, like, I really enjoyed it. Like, it really made me appreciate, like, how well, how good those games were, how well-designed they were, how innovative and fresh they feel even now, like, 20, 30 years later. I, I, like, I said, like, wow, that's cool. Like, uh, like a lot of times just playing by, by myself because the game was just so, um, like, just so different than like a Mario like you were saying like the right. way you traverse through the level is like like the casino stage especially where oh, you have to go through yeah. the different pipes and tubes yeah. and you don't actually know which way to go when you start going you just keep going like that's uh, like in really like innovative compared to like rush. a Mario game where you're going like all right basically and, the entire and, time <laughs> and I'm so happy that uh that that they nailed the music you yeah. know like the music's head, great headcanon games it's it's like the two lead designers, Stealth and Christian Whitehead, Taxman, I guess was his username. They they hired somebody. You guess, who, you know for sure. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm pretending. Yeah. I'm pretending like I'm like you know impartial. Uh, I, I think I, it was, I, his I, name was a uh, Taxman or something. Yeah, yeah, no, it's Taxman. I know. They they hired. I don't know who they hired to do the music, but it was clearly someone who had spent a lot of time doing Sonic fan games because. Yeah. The I heard a rumor that it was actually Michael Jackson again. So yes, Michael. <laughs> yeah, they brought Michael Jackson back from the dead to do this one. So Michael Jackson actually did the music on Sonic Three, but then they fired him halfway through because of like the, you know, he might have molested Macaulay Culkin. So, allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly, may he rest in peace. Uh, but they they took him off, but they kept a, a Ice Cap Zone is for sure a Michael Jackson track. That's indisputable. You can go on YouTube and actually see an unreleased Michael Jackson song played alongside Ice Cap Zone, and it is fucking 100% the same music. Yeah, see, there's, there's also one, because he's Stranger in Moscow, which is a, which is a Michael Jackson single, but that one, there's a... I don't know if it's, if it's Ice Cap Zone, but I think it's another... Uh, Sonic 3 zone that has just like the exact same chord progression and I, I think it's a similar YouTube video where you kind of can see the side by side yeah I 100% buy that some of those Michael Jackson tracks are still in Sonic 3 I uh, I think that Michael Jackson did those tracks and I also think that he did molest uh, Macaulay Culkin I think both um, well it's okay let's all give uh, our, our official rating of Sonic for me it's a big 5 out of 5 oh yeah I give it a Two two thumbs shaking way up when you get uh, when you go through in Sonic Two and collect all the rings and get the chaos. Never mind. It's, it's easier to visualize. <laughs> right. Sonic has big white thumbs. Nick, 
Uh, I give it a, a big fat 10 big the cats. Yeah. <laughs> Wesley? Um, I give it the exploding um, head with the hair going off nuclear, like from a game pro back in the day. I have a message to Arthur Gies at Polygon. Yeah. I won't forget that you gave this game a seven. Why would you give this a seven? Because like, you're Polygon. You're owned by Vox Media. Man. You've got nothing better to do. You know that obsessives will get mad. It's all about the clicks, baby. They, he didn't like the mechanics. Gamergate was right. Gamergate Gamer was, was right. <laughs> We're, uh, uh... I was. I was totally. I was totally right to get involved with that over my beef with a random blogger in my <laughs> building. I told um, you that was totally worth it. Um. <laughs> Well, let's move on to uh, uh, Leslie. I was just going to say you should play through all the Sonics. There's some really excellent fishing sequences that I think you'll really enjoy. <laughs> Sonic Adventure coming up. Uh, the the fishing's actually fun with Big the Cat. I, yeah. I kind of like I kind of like Sonic Adventure the first one. Two, I mean, you know, you two isn't great, but fight over. but one is just I, I you know, and, cool. and part of that is my soft spot for the Dreamcast. But I, I think one's fun. Two I also has game. Pumpkin Hill. Pumpkin Hill is dope. I don't remember Pumpkin Hill, yeah, your that. knuckles, you're flying around collecting Chaos Emeralds, and there's this oh, isn't that really a... silly rap song. Doesn't Rouge also do that level? Rouge sucks. Yeah. Fuck, I don't, I, don't, I, don't like, I don't like animals with huge boobs. <laughs> it's weird. So uh, I, got, I did spend like an hour, um, un, uh, I didn't plan this, like watching that so weird Sonic game where he talks to humans and it's like Shin Mu. Sonic 2006. Yeah, and yeah. his girlfriend is like a human. Princess Elise. Like, and I got stuck like an hour watching this on YouTube just because it was so like bizarre and surreal. Right, really weird. It was like watching Twin Peaks or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it, Sonic 2006 is sort of the natter of Sonic. Like that game was so bad, Sega realized that they had to kind of start over. Uh, they tried starting over by, by doing both Sonic Gener... Well, they, they made Shadow... And what, I don't remember which came first, Sonic 2006 or Shadow, but they didn't get it right. They started over and they still managed to fuck it up for another 10 years. Well, what's interesting about I'm Sonic 2006? I'm surprised Sega's in business. Sonic, I found this out. Apparently, originally, the original designs of Sonic, he had a human girlfriend. Like, the ones that the Japanese guys drew is that he had, like, a, like, anime girl girlfriend. So, yeah, it's actually always been the intention of the artist from the beginning that Sonic have a human girlfriend. Just there is something I about anthropomorphism. Anthropomorphism? Yes. Anthropomorphism. Actually, it's bestiality. If Sonic, it's bestiality. If Sonic right. is an animal and his girlfriend is a human, it's bestiality. It is bestiality. That's hedgehog on human... I'm sure. That, I'm sure. I'm sure that. that I don't know the right term, but I'm sure someone on some web forum would like correct you and have like a different like how people say like ephebophile and right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Actually, the term is anthropomorphized zoophilia. <laughs> so is the because so, I remember Sonic 06. I never played Sonic 06, but I remember that being famously bad and having bad some loading times. But what, wasn't there also there was also a game just called Sonic the Hedgehog? That's Sonic 06. Oh, that's Sonic 06. That's, those yeah. are the same game. So that so the so Sonic 06 is just a, uh, the the informal name for this for the game Sonic the Hedgehog. Right. Same Correct. As Sonic Sadam is the you Sonic know. Sadam is is what they call the the not uh, the not fun cartoon. But, you know, part of uh, uh, Sonic fandom is making it uh, completely impossible for right. anyone any outsider <laughs> to understand. You have to. Uh, to understand like the continuity of Sonic, you also have to have the kind of mind that would want to turn him into a urinal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you see what happens when you know every single thing about Sonic the Hedgehog is yeah. you become Chris Chan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you know about Chris Chan? 
No. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll do a whole thing, but it's yeah. he, he's one of these guys that is like an internet weirdo guy that everyone became obsessed with. Okay. And like, he wears you know, a medallion with a, a yellow Sonic the Hedgehog mixed with Pikachu. He calls Sonic Chew. Also, he jerks off all over it uh, and makes videos. It's uh, He's been doing it for like a decade. He's like one of these, like, yeah, he's got his own wiki. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's really crazy. He's one of these guys. So is that the guy I saw out in the lobby waiting to guest on the next episode? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, got it. Cool. He, he, uh, uh, Chris Chan is uh, like Chris Gaines, uh, uh, JDB's alter ego. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so let's move on to one final thing, uh, um, which is a new segment that we're doing on the show, which you know I think we have to do a little uh, – uh, you know, it's called the shit pit. And so here's the thing. I know, Nick, that Mitch does the shit pit on your right. show, right? Doughboys? I don't think we have any ownership over the concept but of the I shit pit. But I created the shit pit. Yeah, the I shit pit's yours. That's fine. Yeah. Pit on a text message chain that we're in. So I'm taking back the shit pit. All right, great. Kind of like how, um, you know, what? Who, who did the taking back my time? I don't Who was remember. that? The, the like congresswoman so lady. Oh, Maxine Waters. Jokes. Maxine Waters. Like Maxine Waters, I'm taking back the shit pit. Uh, Jack, uh, you're a sassy, um, aged black woman who is very fierce, yeah. according to the internet. Yeah. These are the comments we're getting. He gets into fist fights with Michael Tracy at the Young Turks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she really kicked his ass. Uh, um, so, so, if you're a member of our esteemed Patreon uh, subscriber group, if you're one of the the lucky ones who, who have decided to join us, then you've, you've been invited to the Discord. And our Discord in our chat room, we have a channel called The Shit Pit where we take the worst tweets, uh, the worst statements, just the worst whatever from yeah. all the dumb what, liberals whatever, and MAGA chuds. Whatever is horrible or annoying to you, toss it in the shit pit. Toss uh, it in the shit pit. And, uh, yeah, if you, if, you, if you see something enraging from uh, the center right or the right, or even the center left, because it doesn't really exist here in this country. There, where there's only a center right and a right. Then yeah, toss it in the shit pit, and we will make fun of it. Then I'll then I'll throw in the shit pit that thing that Chelsea Clinton did, where she uh, was crowing about Ukraine taking down all the statues of Lenin. Oh uh, hell and yeah! Equating that to yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna throw Chelsea Clinton in the Chelsea shit pit. Chelsea Clinton in 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 hashtag resistance to the Trump administration and the statues of the Confederacy aligned herself with pro fascists in the Ukraine. <laughs> Who were dedicated to removing Lenin statues because uh, I don't know why to purge the scourge of of communism, but at the same time, like the people doing this are yeah, they're fucking right wing nationalists. So, All right, Jonathan, do you have one? Do you have one yeah, pit here? I'm gonna throw the a guy. Hungry. A guy named Tom Lamas. Tom Yamas. Tom Lamas. He's an ABC anchor who in Houston was uh, doing some on-the-scene reporting with police in the Coast Guard when he found looting of a supermarket that was closed because uh, it was about to be fucking <laughs> underwater. So he, of course, snitched yeah, on those looters. Ratted them out. He called the cops, and he called the Coast Guard people with and had them take over these people. Uh, or, sorry, had them take on these, these, these scourges, these people trying to get food. That would, you know, be completely drenched and unedible in the next half hour anyway. Uh, if, I think that actually what is so aggravating about this guy, other than the fact that he's, you know, a fucking narc, is, is it shows like this fucked up weird little relationship between the media and authority. The idea that this guy, his first instinct when he saw people desperate to eat was to have a bunch of jackbooted fucking thugs uh, either arrest them or shut them down or kick them out. Why? Why yeah. is his first instinct when he is a reporter, when it's his job to survey uh, the flooding and also the incompetence 
of, of Abbott and all of those fucking right-wing ghouls running Texas, and instead he's focused on people trying to survive. Like, you know, and then the argument that's made whenever there's looting in any of these disaster zones is, well, like, who needs a TV? Well, it's like, I don't know. Maybe he's, maybe they're going to fucking float on it, you know? I mean, the I'm also like— underwater. Who gives a shit? I, I think that Take if— if you if your city gets hit badly enough by a natural disaster and you know the United States haven't have, hasn't put in an infrastructure to like you know make it so that it is safe for everyone to live there you get a free TV. Yeah. yeah Tom like, go go take a free TV. So go, yeah. It's yours. Uh, I think you should be allowed to have one. Um, We're going to call him Llama Boy. I don't even think that these people are looting TVs and shit. I think that that's uh, not correct. But uh, uh, but and I don't even think you were saying that. I think that's just like a popular No, narrative. that's just like whenever – that happened after Katrina too. Yeah. Like whenever the media would demonize looters, they'd always show like – one guy grabbing like a right. fucking big screen, and then that would right. justify right. massive police violence on civilians who are trying to fucking survive right. I, I, because so I, the I, people in charge are doing nothing. I would say that you know I don't think people are stealing TVs, but I think they should yeah. be. They should be stealing. TVs. <laughs> they should be emptying those fucking stores. They're all about to go underwater. Yeah. They're insured. Why do you don't need to defend capital with guns so when that was, survival is at stake? That's Holy a pretty fuck. good. That's a pretty good entry to the yeah. pit yeah, that so got us Lama all right. So I'm, 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 Lizzie, do you I'm, have I'm, yeah, I'm gonna pile on JDBs because mine is for the entire uh, upper middle class and uh, who who uh, supports that shit about looters and judges people for taking food um, from these grocery stores that are going on the war or who even judge looters people for taking TVs. I don't even like using the word looters because these are the same people who these same companies rob of wages day in and day out every day. So mm. they're just taking back their uh, surplus value. But my, my yeah. real beef is if you have ever worked retail, especially in a place where, you know, uh, rich people come um all they do every time they walk in their entire purpose is to come in and try to get one over on the employees like they will talk <laughs> to the manager so fast uh, they will beg they, they, they want their 10 percent off for this they want 50 percent off for that they right. want to use their expired fucking coupon every single day <laughs> if their appliance that they order if their wine rack that they ordered is you know three days late because of say massive flooding in the place in the port <laughs> where it came in they're gonna come in and try to get money back off of that and it's always the richest people who are the cheapest motherfuckers and always trying to get one over and trying to basically steal you know, from these corporations that they believe are people and you shouldn't steal from. Like, a regular shop, like, shoplifters aren't shit compared to rich, uh, uh, assholes, basically, when it comes to stealing. Yeah, yeah. right. No, I, 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 I mean, so, so what you're saying is you think these people are just mad at the quote unquote looters because they're getting something for free without having to talk to a manager yes, first. Exactly. <laughs> it's, patholo it's pathological. All this yeah. shit is going underwater. Yeah. And you know what? Even if it wasn't fucking going underwater, if you stole from a Walmart, you stole from a Target. Like, good for you. It's cool. They pay everyone shit. Stealing from these yeah. stores is cool. It's awesome. Everyone should do it. I will tell. <laughs> You, yeah. I will tell you if right. you want to Google some stores, they have certain policies where basically they won't, <laughs> they won't stop a, a, a shoplifter. They will not go into the parking lot. So I suggest if you feel like stealing something, go ahead and Googling which one of those stores and go fucking do <laughs> it, man. Yeah, just go do Shoplifting it. Shoplifting is Yeah, I guess, I guess I'm I'm pro-looting uh, uh, whether or not there's a, a weather circumstance surrounding it. So, Nick, do you got anything for the pit there? All right. So so I, I checked out a little bit because I was trying to, to, to look for something that I could use, and I think I, I think I got a good one. Um, 
so this was an article. This was a first-person piece that was written for Polygon by an industry veteran of the video game industry named Walt Williams. Walt has worked on a lot of Spec Ops Online. Yeah, he's where he's he has some some very esteemed credits. He worked on yeah, Spec Ops was a big one. He also is, is credited as on Bioshock, Civilization, Borderlands, Mafia, The Darkness. Um, but Walt wrote a piece, and the headline is "Why I Worship Crunch." And crunch is the, you know, if you don't know the shorthand, it's the the period in game development that is sometimes, you know, it's it's usually confined to a few months, but it sometimes stretches on for years where people are expected to work uh, uncompensated overtime to the order of 12 to 14 hours a day. Uh, Sometimes people are sleeping at the office. It's just the idea of like, you're going to work a ton of hours. You're going to put in an insane amount of time to try to get a game shipped by its deadline and it's usually because a product is understaffed it's it's oftentimes because there's just there's there's an overly ambitious design or there's an overly ambitious calendar that you are having to abide by so and i've worked only on shitty games when i when i was a video (laughs) game designer i only worked on garbage but you still have to work crunch on bad game like every title has to work crunch and it just kind of speaks to this the the piece that you kind of ri- the the way it's written is a little annoying. He capitalizes crunch throughout. All hail crunch. The the C is capitalized, um, but he seems to just basically sort of t- talk about it as it's like it's like a natural occurrence brought on by the creative process is one way he phrases right. it. Just the idea that this is this thing that's kind of inevitable when you're making something instead of like well maybe you could just staff and schedule something adequately right. or maybe you could spend the amount of money that it actually costs to make this product or maybe you could compensate your employees with with overtime because when I think of when I worked in the video game industry and I worked on these punishing crunches I would you know work night at one point I worked 19 days in a row including including Easter Sunday without a day off and you know those were all 12 I, I remember there was a point when I was working on the original Fantastic Four video game where they had an excellent, all, excellent oh game. man oh man <laughs> check it out uh, Game Boy uh, it was a, a PlayStation 2 GameCube Xbox was the version I worked on but I'm sure there was a Game Boy SKU um, yeah, definitely, definitely one to revisit or, or check out a Let's Play. Just uh, there's there's tons of them on YouTube to choose from. But yeah, probably people right now on Twitch playing it. Right, live. Yeah. yeah. I think it's I think it's the number two stream after uh, <laughs> Battlegrounds. But uh, yeah, check that out. And and in any event, that game sucked. Uh, working on it was punishing. But I remember there's a time we had an all hands meeting where they said like, hey guys, we just want to let you know uh, we're in the midst of crunch. We're going to a 12 hour day, and everyone applauded because we'd already been, it was a cut in our hours. Jesus We've been working Christ. longer than 12 hours. They cut us down to 12 hours, and it was like, oh, you're you're giving us a break. Yeah. Thanks so much. You, yeah. you know, and so unionize. yeah, exactly. Video games need to unionize. It, it's pathological the idea that you're kind of fetishizing crunches some great good and yeah. like this is how you make good games right. and it's frustrating when you've got someone who's a high profile developer who's clearly talented and has worked on some great games who's trying to use his platform to not push for better labor rights right. and and for better working conditions for the the people in the industry who are not as powerful as he is to say that like no guys this is like be a man like suck yeah. it up uh, this is what game development is all that's about yeah. it's disappointing yeah it, i mean i also like I, that whole ethos i think that like that permeates also to things in television like yeah. you know like obviously right. like on snl they'll talk a lot about like we work till 3 a.m every day and i'm sure. like 
I don't think you have to. Like, why? Don't yeah. do that. And why? We, because Lauren Michaels likes, he gets right. off on torturing people in their 20s. And yeah. yeah. He's a 70-something-year-old sick man. But even, but like, but, at, for these game companies, it's like hundreds of people like that yes, are doing it's this. It's lots of people. And also, too, just, you know, these are, these are non- these are non-union positions, almost yeah. universally. And so, you know, versus TV, which is unionized, and if you're going to have a, a, a shoot day that's going to go super long, you're going to have to pay people overtime. Right. You're going to have to provide another meal for everyone. It's not the case in video games and in, in game development. A lot of people are, are just, you know, they're not getting extra any extra compensation, and they're be, being treated very poorly. So, yeah, let's let's not fetishize yeah. crunch. Let's not no. talk about this is a good Walt, thing. This is a bad thing. We're, 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 fan, we're fans of, of the line. We like Spec Ops here, but Walt, you're in the damn shit pit, yeah, baby. You're <laughs> in the shit pit, Walt. The dude made one of like the most interesting anti. He wrote like an anti-war third-person shooter like that, and it got released by a studio. That doesn't happen. Why I know, right. and, and like that's that? a that's a real accomplishment. But this week. He's in the goddamn you're pit. You're in the pit, Walt. You're bad now. <laughs> that's, uh, a, that's the one I settled on, but I did have a backup. I'll just read this real quick because yeah. it's relevant to what we're saying. This is, a, this is a Joss Whedon tweet, I think, from uh, from early 2016. It's I'll show I'll show you guys who are here this picture. Oh, okay. It's, uh, it's, it's a picture of Jared Kushner looking over Trump's shoulder, and the caption is, Hey, keep your eyes on this fucking prize, too. He's a Voldemort in training. Unlike oh. the Pekingese he married under can play the long game. Ooh, and, and wait, he said un, uh, unlike the Pekingese he married under? Yeah. Okay, so it's I guess sexist. he's calling Trump a Pekingese. I feel like he's calling a Vonka a Pekingese. Like he's like okay. being mean to a woman based on how she looks. Well, Whedon didn't bring, he did bring the word Quim back. Quim is like a female slur I haven't heard. Who did? Remember uh, Loki in Avengers, he calls, uh, he calls Black Widow a Quim. Oh, right. so uh, he is, knows. So, so Whedon's one of these guys that knows like special medieval terms. Yeah, for, like, sexist <laughs> words that I didn't even know existed. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, um, this has been fun. This has been, you know, uh, 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 what a struggle session we went through here today. We talked about Sonic, talked about a whole bunch of shit. Nick, thank you for coming in here today. Oh, man, what a treat. Yeah. A lot of fun. Um, uh, uh, that's it. You know, uh, thanks to everyone who's uh, been. Uh, uh, you know, subscribing to the Patreon. That's very cool. Yeah, we made it to 101 today. I know. 101 patrons. It's really exciting. Uh, we definitely, the Chapo bump was really dope. So shout out to the Chapo guys. Uh, Leslie killed it. When yeah, he did yeah, really great spot. episode. So that was really fun. Right, great thank appearance. you, thank you. Uh, and, and then, uh, yeah, keep listening. Join us in our Discord. Like, if you subscribe to us on Patreon, you can talk to us whenever you want on Discord. We're always hanging out there. I'm never not online. We're never I'm online all the time. I'm always on. And uh, stay tuned because we have lots of streams up ahead. We're going to be playing lots of games together. And uh, who knows? Maybe you can even join us for some of those. Uh, yeah, we don't know. Like, we don't that's know. that's not like he's like trying to, uh, you know, like make it a mystery or something. We don't know if there's we're able to do that. There's three of us, and there's a lot of four-player co-op <laughs> games. You could be the lucky we'll one. We'll figure it out. Um, well, until next time, everybody. Thanks for thanks for listening again, and Nick, thanks for being here. Thanks so much. We Nick. usually go out to music, so you know it's gonna be over by this point. Anyway. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of Struggle Session. Uh, subscribe to us on Patreon. If you'd like to shoot us an email, hit us up at thestrugglesession at gmail.com. We are at strugglesession.us if you'd like to check out our Tumblr. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, not me, but us in general, 
check out at Struggle Sesh, S-E-S-H. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or strugglesession.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.